to another episode of Back of the Grid. Uh, I am hosting this week and I'm Tom King and I'm joined by Chris Evans. Hello, hello. Hello. Unfortunately, no Stu, but I think considering it's a triple header week, we can allow a little leisure time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just the two of us, but we are here to uh, break down, no pun intended, uh, oh, Mercedes's weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Though a pun was definitely intended. But yeah, we're here to break down an awful weekend for Mercedes at the Osterreich Ring. Um, is it still called that? It's th- no, it's just called the Red Bull Ring now, isn't it? Red Bull it? Ring now, yeah. Yeah, too old school for this. <laughs> um, but yeah, an excellent weekend for Red Bull in some respects at the Red Bull Ring as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny because like they own this track and it's always been one of their weaker tracks because it's just like uh, the <laughs> weights yeah basically it does not play to their strengths but uh yeah they finally got their their home win yeah um it's also as we allude to a second part of a triple header so we have the british gp to head into a little later in the show but i guess we should start Back at the beginning of this weekend's action, really, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, now, for those who don't know, um, there were a few, well, I say a few people out of position. There was one definitely out of position in Sebastian Vettel, who um, was penalised for something in qualifying, which was basically um, impeding Carlos Sainz by being on the racing line when Sainz was on a hot lap. Now, there's been uh, quite a bit made of this because science said he wasn't really that bothered because he wasn't, you know, he, he was already through. Um, Renault haven't made much of a fuss about it. Seb says it's not his fault that he was in the way uh, and he doesn't think he should have been penalised. And I, I was interested to know really where you stand on this personally, Chris, because yeah. we've not had a chance to talk about this properly yet, have we, over the weekend? No, we've not. It's a, Yeah, it's a weird one. It's... Nobody complained about it, like you say, and then sort of the stewards felt the need to have a look and give him a penalty anyway. Because, like you say, they both got through anyway. Um, it wasn't like he was on a vital hot lap. Um, it's it's but weird. Rules are rules, aren't they? That's the thing. It's you can't start because like, some I can't remember who it was now. Some kind of TV personality also said like you're ruining the championship battle by giving one of the championship runners a penalty but you can't start applying rules as you see fit based on the circumstance like like you say rules are rules and as much as no one complained he was very much just loitering on the exit curb of turn one which is not something you want to be doing in qualifying no it was like solidly on the racing line kind of trundling around wasn't he um it ended up causing him a three-place penalty to be precise about that he'd he'd originally qualified third and ended up starting sixth which was a nice surprise for a couple of people namely roman grosjean and max verstappen i think out of everyone um propelled them up the grid a couple of well a, a slot apiece um but there was another one as well which was fernando alonso starting from the pit lane um did not had a brilliant qualifying anyway um i think he was i want to say he was 14th beforehand but he picked up an mg uk issue like that um where is he? yeah 14th yeah so it was 14th but they picked up an mg uk issue which meant that they basically had to make a replacement on there and um that instantly got him starting from the pit lane, but he'd also apparently damaged um, the front wing slightly, which meant he had a front wing and nose cone flown out from the UK to Austria via a chartered flight because they had no spare nose cones left. Um, yeah, he was one of many people to be shattering bits of front wing on the curbs there. Yeah. But have you, do you know what specification of front wing it was that got flown out to him? A brand new one? No, it was a 2017 front wing. All oh, right, because that is all they had available was one of wow. last year's wings. 
That which is makes bad. which makes his comeback in the race all the more impressive, really, when you think about it. To bolt the wing from last year's car on <clears throat> and sort of send him out there, but yeah, that's yeah. I guess it sort of shows how many <laughs> wings they managed to break throughout practice and qualifying because. Yeah, to completely run out is um, a rarity, I think. And you would have thought that in a situation like we're in currently with three races back-to-back, admittedly, the next race of the three is back here in the UK where the factory is on the doorstep, but still, you would have thought that they would have had enough components. So they've either been shattering a lot or not uh, underestimated the need. Yeah, I think. plus plus we know like after the last couple of years of races in Austria that those curbs are car killers. So you'd have thought they'd yeah. have planned for that a little bit more. Yeah, we saw it a lot in practice, didn't we? The um, yeah. uh, the McLaren itself had a, a nose shatter. I think that was on Van Dorn's though, rather than Alonso's. Yeah, Van wasn't Dorn's it, early just disintegrated on. at one point. Yeah, and then we had so. I think it was Gasly broke a, a wishbone at some point as well. There was all sorts of problems. Not quite as bad as it was a couple of years ago, but still pretty bad. Yeah, so um, that that is where people sort of started differently to what you may have seen in qualifying. Um, but going to starts, um, I, I want to take a minute to just say uh, what an amazing start from Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, like, it was incredible. It's not only to to beat the Mercs off the line, but to find his way through that gap. Ultimately, it unfortunately didn't pay out for him and he ended up dropping back due to locking up. But the actual start itself to put himself in contention in the position was something to behold at the time. I I remember saying to you about watching the onboard footage, um, the balls on all three of them, to be brutally honest, going into that turn. An inch between either of his wheels and the Mercedes either side of him. Yeah, um... And it is quite impressive that the three of them didn't end up touching and coming together and or, you know, the, the Mercs accidentally sandwiching him out or anything like that. So mm-hmm. impressive driving from all three, really. Yeah. Um, Verstappen also had a good start and found himself in third after about turn one, didn't he? he was He had a good run. Yeah. Um, but it was all really a catalyst of what was a bit of a, nothing start from Bottas. He said he got a lot of wheel spin um, considering race Considering Austria last year was when everybody said Bottas must have jumped the start. It was that good. He um, he very much was at the other end of the scale this, this year. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, after yeah. a really good showing in qualifying as well to really put it on pole yeah. in the first place. Um, like we, yeah, it's we, definitely a track he likes. Yeah, we definitely expected him to do something between... Well, me and Stu did. I don't know about you. <laughs> we d- between us, we definitely sort of expected something from Bottas this weekend, as um, we've talked about before, that there's a couple of places on the calendar he likes, and this is usually one of them. Yeah. Although, after this weekend, that might <laughs> not be so true in the <laughs> might future. Might be his favourite place in the world. Yeah. Um, um, with we sourced a whole a battle for the whole lap pretty much between Verstappen and Raikkonen because of the positions they ended up in, um, which I think saw some good racing between the two of them for pretty much an entire lap. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I do think the final move when Verstappen got past Raikkonen was a little suspect. Um, they they sort mm. of bumped wheels. Um, Raikkonen was definitely compliant I think in what Verstappen was attempting to go up the inside I mean that's not really an overtaking corner Verstappen was going up the inside I think if if Raikkonen had taken his normal racing line and taken them both out I think you wouldn't have put much blame on Raikkonen to be honest but he was compliant enough he he was having a little bit of an issue. The the rear sort of kicked out on him Um, and I think if you watch from Max's on board I like to think that it's quite a good move from Max, to be brutally honest. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. You know, he sees Kimmy's back end kick out and him, him start to run wide as a consequence. And his instant reaction is to utilise that gap, not only yeah. for an overtake, but also just the clean air and not being stuck behind yeah. what is a washing out Ferrari. And as Raikkonen manages to catch it, obviously Max is just on the inside of him there, which is where the wheels touch. Um, but I think I think that's good racing that we want to see. Like, oh, totally. 
and it does make a bit of a difference compared to what we maybe would have said about Max a few races ago because there's every chance a few races ago that nose cone of the Red Bull would have been straight in the side pod of the Ferrari. Um, yeah. And Although I, th- I think it was Anthony Davidson after the race said, like, everyone having to go at Max telling him he needs to change his style. And he's not changing his style. It's just that that's what it looks like when it comes off. Like, yeah. it was still a, a daring move that we always see him pulling, but this time he got it right and made the plastic. Yeah. I th- I think realistically what he needs to be doing is reassessing when those daring moves are achievable. Yeah. And it's more, it's not like you say, it's not about actually changing the style because that is what he's good at. Those, those lunges. Um, in the same way, Danny Rick's good at sort of lunging late on the brakes and you'd never ask him to change it. But the difference is knowing no, totally. when it's completely inappropriate, I think. Um, and, and I mean, looking at the way the rest of the race played out, that was probably the race winning move for him. Like, yeah. if he had not made that stick and got stuck behind Raikkonen, he might not have had another shot at overtaking Raikkonen. Yeah, that is very true. Um, it's It didn't obviously put him in the lead at that point, but it's where things sort of started to fall into place um, in the light of things that happened further through the race, which I guess we'll start moving on to. <laughs> um, but um, before I suppose to go too far into the race, there is something worth mentioning if it wasn't seen by all, which is um, Vettel's move on Grosjean. Um, I can't remember exactly what lap it was on, but it was... Two or three, I think. Yeah, it was it was early on as he was trying to charge his way through the field after obviously starting further back. Um, and it was one of those aggressive, I'm putting my car here and it is up to you <laughs> and if you want to turn into me kind of moves really, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was really good. It was, it was a world champion getting his elbows out to make up ground effectively. And uh, um, bullying's maybe the wrong word, but using his status and prowess and skill over yeah. someone slightly lesser on the grid. <laughs> it's um I mean I'm I'm definitely guilty of previously being in the Sebastian Vettel can only win from the front, he can't overtake camp, but like you see him do moves like that every now and again. It's like, no no he can. He 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 knows what he's doing. Exactly. Um and I think he's quite brave in a way to put something like that on someone like Grosjean, who's yeah. not had the best year up until now and ended a lot of races with um, like damage and collisions with people and walls and so on. So to put a move like that on Grosjean yeah. specifically, I think yeah. is quite daring in itself. <laughs> but then I guess sort of coming back to what we were saying about Verstappen, like last week we were criticising Vettel for putting himself in a silly position at the start of a race and cost himself points. And, you know, if this move hadn't come off, we'd be saying exactly the same thing now. But yeah. on this occasion, the calculated risk paid off and it was, you know, again, he could easily have ended up stuck behind Grosjean for some time, but he made it stick when he needed to. What I think is becoming evident with this season is the fact that a lot of these these moves are becoming necessary. It's it's yeah. not a season like we've seen for a number of years now where um somebody can settle for fifth, fourth, sixth, something like that because they've either got a decent lead or um they've got you know, they've got it in the back pocket in terms of car performance to be able to just make that difference up at, at the next race. There's there's nothing stand out about the the top teams at the minute to be, to give them that advantage, which means that we're seeing a lot more of these um, sort of almost do or die moves in some scenarios yeah. because every point is critical now, uh, and we're not even halfway through the season. But how many times has the lead changed now between Hamilton and Vettel? Yeah, totally. Like it's changed again this weekend, and we've even seen Ferrari go to the top of the constructors again this weekend because of the double DNF for Mercedes. So, and you know what? It's going to be drives like this that win this championship. Like Hamilton and Vettel are both going to have their pole position drive away, lead every lap wins throughout the season. But it's these ones where like Vettel 
silly penalty, didn't qualify all that well in the first place, and recovered from sixth to take a podium. Like these results are the ones that are gonna win one of them the championship. I think. Yeah, um, Hamilton was having a bad day throughout, um, which I'm sure we'll cover through the rest of the yeah the thing. But it was it was at least damage limitation for for yeah. him from a points perspective, but. Well, as most people know, that's not how it played out. No. <laughs> um, so, so our first retirement on lap 12, um, an engine, I suppose, nothing short of an explosion for yeah, it was Nico Hulkenberg. Um, it's that the, I'll say one thing about that Renault, it goes, when that Renault engine goes pop, it's a very old school, like, F1 in the 90s type engine explosion like yeah for the for the last five years or so when these new kind of engines are broken they've just kind of gone out with a whimper but Renault's yeah. recently have been going up in a, an impressive and way that, that one went big style um do you think he should have maybe been bringing that into the pits when it initially yeah because he was coming up to the penultimate corner where you pull into the pit entry when yeah. it first um sort of started to go and instead, he st- yeah, stayed on the track, carried on along the racing line through the last corner and halfway down the straight, then pulled to the inside. And then when it finally started spewing smoke, he then drove back across the racing line into turn one, which was it's a bit silly. I mean, yeah. I guess it's fun from our point of view that he potentially dropped a bit of oil on the braking turn for turn one. But uh... I think um, the one good side to him going across there was the fact that at least he moved it into a slightly more re- recoverable position. Yeah, um, true. It was whenever someone's better. parked against the pit wall, it always takes them an age to get those yeah. moved, doesn't it? Um, but the, on the other side, you know, he's moving across the track slowly <laughs> in a plume of his own smoke. Then, so nobody <laughs> can realistically see him down there, can they? Um, no ideal. So. But yeah, he managed to get himself out of the way. Um, but shortly afterwards, a couple of laps later, we saw um, a similar but not quite the same sort of failure for Bottas. It was more hydraulics, I believe, for this in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, that's I think what it officially was. went down as anyway. Um, yeah, was a hydraulics failure, um, and we saw a whimpering Mercedes come to a halt, causing a virtual safety car. Yep. Um, poor, poor. Valtteri Bottas. When is he going to get some luck? It's, I mean, again, he obviously from pole position, he had a terrible start, but he also had a hell of a first lap to be back in second place by like the exit of turn three. Yes. And then, yeah, again, just the worst luck. You keep saying eventually, like, he's going to have his, it's going to come to him and, you know, look balanced out across the season or whatever. But right now, He's gone from again. He should have won three or four races this season. We've said it several times, and yeah, just not happening. Yeah, and you know, realistically, um, you know, himself and Hamilton were were pulling away from the rest of the field at this point and, until the issue, weren't they? So yeah, it was it was due to be a Mercedes one two in in theory, and until the issue started. Um, whether he'd have managed to get the position back from Lewis, were it not for failures, who knows? But it would have still been a better result for him. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's it's a shame. Um, I think that it would be a shame to see him not in the Mercedes next year, based on the results where yeah they're slightly beyond his control. Um, uh, yeah, I think you have to eliminate the things out of driver control when you're making these decisions. Yeah. Um, I think Hartley is probably in a similar boat, although I don't think his other drives have been enough to uh, make up for it so far this season. But That's it. You know, Valtteri's generally there or thereabouts with, with the others in his... It's almost like it's almost like another category now. Um, those top yeah. six cars, but oh, he, yeah, he is sure. always there and thereabouts with the rest of them. Whereas There's, Harley's been... very hot cold at the minute. Yeah, there've definitely been a few weekends where Bottas has been the fastest Mercedes driver this season, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he needs to be doing. Yeah, <clears throat> I still think he will keep his seat at this point. Yeah. Um, 
so the virtual safety car basically saw most of the front runners pit. Um, I'm pretty all sure all but one, in fact. Yeah, pretty sure all but one, which was one yep. Lewis Hamilton, um, which started a, a, an interesting chain of events, really, didn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, the second he stayed out, pretty much everybody instantly said, "What have they done?" Yeah, that's a catastrophic error. Um. Yeah. I mean, Mercedes have since sort of explained their thinking behind it. Yeah, and, and the general consensus was that they thought by staying out, they covered anybody else trying to do the same and not pit realistically, didn't they? Yeah. Um, which, I don't know. Like At that point in the race, when you've only got the one car, is like I can see the point in it, but... On the other hand, I, I don't know. Like, you just, th- that scenario is it's not quite a free pit stop under a virtual safety car, but you do have to take advantage of these kind of things. Yeah, it's such a what if scenario. And even then, even if someone stayed out, I think I'd rather be behind them on fresher tires. Precisely. To be honest, especially on a track where you very much can overtake. And like, you are considered was- the strongest car as well. Yeah, if it was, you know, Monaco, then fair enough, stay out with whole track position. But on a track like this, yeah, yeah, re- really, really just catastrophic error of judgment. Yeah. Um, the chain of events that it, it started um, kind of began with what was a battle between Ricardo and Raikkonen. Um Went on for quite a long time, really, between them. Um, yeah, it did. Ricardo eventually took the position, but um, he was the first of many people this weekend to struggle on the soft tyre um, with what was some pretty nasty blistering on the left rear, specifically. Yeah, really bad. Um, Which is interesting because it's something that they didn't have all through practice, but I think race day they had different wind direction and slightly higher temperatures and heavy fuel loads as well and heavy fuel loads of course yeah yeah i think the the combination of you know almost a perfect storm is is what causes things like that um yeah totally but i think also a degree of it is probably down to setup like we were talking during the race that you noticed that certain drivers were having issues and sometimes the teammate wasn't having the same issue at all um, yeah. and whether there's something to take from that in terms of the way you know people were set up is possibly worth looking at or driving style in terms of how much certain drivers were maybe using the curbs on the exits because obviously it's a clockwise circuit so you're hitting those well, those curbs out on the left on the exit quite a lot so there's every chance that it's to do with the you know the choice of line in the driving style as well well, that's one thing that they said after the race that um, Verstappen was doing, which helped him hold off uh, everyone behind him, was the uh, fast left-right, I think it's turn, I want to say turn seven and eight. Mm, um, I'll accept that. <laughs> I believe it's seven and eight. Um, he was taking those slower, much slower than he could have done. Yes. Um, because those were the real tyre killers, especially on the rears, which is where people were finding the graining and then finding the time he was losing elsewhere on the lap. And as a result, Verstappen had significantly less tyre troubles than anyone else in the top six. Yeah. And admittedly, that's I guess that's part of the luxury of being out in the lead as well, that you can dictate True. your own pace like that um, when you've got less pressure. But uh, even towards the end, you know, there was there were moments where he could have been chased down and he didn't rattle under that pressure. He just kept his pace, kept maintaining his tyres just to make sure he could see it through to the end. And I, I guess it comes back to the eight old adage that it, you know, if you want to win, you've got to fi- at least finish for, you know, to finish first, you've mm-hmm. got to first finish. That's it. That's, That's what I'm one. trying to say. Um, <laughs> but it comes back to something like that where, you know, just keeping his head cool and making sure he brings the car home is the first priority, really, isn't it? So Hamilton eventually pitted uh, around lap 26 and dropped behind what was going on with Ricardo and Raikkonen at this point. Um, and yeah. from coming out of the pits on the soft tyre, just seemed to completely struggle with 
his pace in the early stages of that phase. Um, and he was actually overtaken by Vettel at one point with what was possibly the best move of the race, um, in my opinion. Um, very similar yeah, in um, a way nice... to what he did to Grosjean, just in a different position. Yeah, um, nice to see the two of them actually side by side on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it... You always you often get this where you have the two championship contenders actually rarely are near each other on the racetrack yeah. these days. But um nice to see them having an actual battle. Yeah. Um Hamilton just never seemed happy on those tires. Whether this was a bit of a classic Hamilton sulking and affected himself, I'm not so sure. But there was definitely elements of that, wasn't there? There was a lot of you know, his head was down because of the strategy call. He was on the radio a lot, just saying, like, oh, why have we done this? Why has this happened? And instead of focusing on what he could be doing, which is ultimately putting in the laps to to keep that pace, to catch the front runners, um, do, do we think that he could have maybe pulled that back with a little bit more of a positive attitude and a bit more determination? Do you think he maybe just gave up a little too soon? Yeah, like the context gets talking about so I was saying his head's dropped and whatever. Like I don't know how fair that is. I mean, it's at the end of the day he's still a professional sportsman. He's still out there doing what he does. I I don't believe that he as a result of circumstances was driving slower to be honest. I think he might have been complaining a lot about the circumstances he was in, but I don't think he was necessarily performing any less than he could have done. Yeah, so we're going with just genuine pace issue on the softs, or maybe a genuine car. Well, yeah. well that's we, the thing. We knowing learn, what ultimately happened. Yeah, we learn later in the race that there was obviously a problem. Um, so maybe there were just early signs of what was going wrong, um, and just took a while to come to fruition. I guess. Um, yeah. Um, after all that started ricardo ended up retiring um on lap 54 pretty much almost instantly followed by the sister toro rosso of hartley on lap 55 um danny rick i was at that point i was i was literally I'd, i'd literally just written a tweet saying we've had we've almost had a failure of every engine except honda at this point and as i was about to press send honda went past well I was about to... Well, it wasn't actually a Honda engine, I don't think, was it? Um, it was, I think it was a gears, gearbox issue. It's maybe? listed as a mechanical failure from what I've seen. So that's nice and vague on a car yeah. that isn't a complete mechanical machine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Dan, Danny Rick is down as an exhaust issue in the end. Yeah, um, shame for him. Um yeah. He was, I mean, he was second best to the Red Bulls all weekend, really. Um, he was, I mean, he was still on for a podium, which would be nice on his birthday. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's disappointing for him on his birthday. Um, he was doing his best with, obviously, the tyre issues as well, the tyre deck that he was having and the blisters, doing what he could. But yeah, ultimately, exhaust issues put an end to that. Um, Hamilton's woeful afternoon ended on lap 62, which, um, like we say, sort of maybe explains things that were happening earlier in the Possibly. race. Um, Don't want to ma- went- make it sound like we're just making excuses for him, but it's it's a it's a possible explanation for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, it comes down to um, a fuel issue, so it's not quite the same thing as um, as Valtteri's problem, but it is the first time we've seen both. Mercedes DNF in the same race since they crashed into each other. And obviously, this is Rosberg era, but yeah. it was since the time they crashed into each other in Barcelona in 2016. Um, and I could be wrong in saying this, but I don't think we've had a double mechanical failure, uh, mechanical failure on the Mercedes in the hybrid. I don't think we ever back. have. No. Uh, um, fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the that race, the other race where both Mercedes retired, um, had exactly the same podium as this race. I was I was also going to sort of mention that because yeah. I remember that being Max's first win. It um, was, yeah. And it was another similar sort of race in the fact that 
he ended up out there. It was a little different, obviously, in the fact that the Mercedes went out lap one, and mm-hmm. so Max kind of led it from there, from memory. But it was another one of those races where he wasn't the fastest car there. The Ferraris were probably better on paper and lap pace and race pace, but he maintained a good pace and managed the car well just to keep them at bay, even though they were chasing him down and chasing him down. So it was a very similar scenario yeah, and outcome, wasn't it? Even if the circumstances weren't exactly the same. Would you say this is Mercedes' worst ever race? Or at least <laughs> in the modern era of Mercedes? Uh, it's got to be close, hasn't it? Having both cars mechanically retire. Yeah, um, plus, plus throwing away with a poor strategy decision. Yeah, you've got the bad strategy. You've got just everyone is in a bad mood at the minute, aren't they, at Mercedes after yeah. this weekend? Really, really atrocious race. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, you're hard-pressed to think of another weekend that you could consider as being their worst, for sure. No, I mean, I guess you could say the that Spanish Grand Prix we mentioned is almost worse because... They were so bulletproof at that point. They would have definitely had a one-two had they not crashed into each other. But, but this it, is somehow worse to have the cars themselves failing as well as decision making. Yeah, failing. and it was a season where they were. It was still just between the two of them anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, it wasn't as critical. Whereas at the moment, we're talking about Ferrari taking a constructors' lead and Vettel taking a drivers' lead from Hamilton. So, yeah. albeit Absolute only small disaster. margins, still. That is a much bigger disaster in the grand scheme of things, especially in a season where they are nowhere near as dominant as they have been in the past. Um, And does it not bring us to a point now where out of nine races, we've got three Mercedes... Am I right to say we've got three Mercedes wins, three Ferrari wins, and three Red Bull wins at this point now? Um, That is a great question, and I will check for you right now because i'm sure we've got two from danny rick three from lewis three from seb and then one from max which gives us three three and three across the constructors um yeah you're right yeah you are right which i think at the start of the season red bull would have beaten your hand off for that yeah i don't think they expected I think they would have taken three wins across the whole season, let alone three before you <laughs> even reached the halfway point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's an interesting sort of thing to keep your eye on that, I think, because it does show how how much the Red Bull is able to capitalise on the other two making mistakes. But I still think it shows that there is much better race pace in that Red Bull that a lot of people give it credit for. Um, because they've definitely not got one lap pace. I think we're pretty certain on that. No, for sure. Un- unless it's going to be a track like your Monaco's of this world that are falling right into their hands because of no need for power. Um, it's always going to be between Mercedes and Ferrari in some respect, I think, for stuff like Paul. Yeah. But the race pace is there. The strategy is usually good from a Red Bull perspective. You know, they're... Oh, definitely. If we think about um, another scenario, China, Lewis again not pitting, and the mm-hmm. Red Bulls double stacking again like they did this weekend is ultimately leading to point gains for Red Bull. Yeah. They they definitely still need to have Mercedes and Ferrari making mistakes or having problems to get these wins, but the frequency that is happening this season. Like, there's no reason why they can't pick up a few more for the rest of the year. Exactly, exactly. Um, So that brought their first win at the Red Bull ring, like we were saying before. Um, Hamilton's record 33-race streak in the points comes to an end with that DNF. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another notable sort of finish is the Haas finishing fourth and fifth. Yeah, Which is their best they finish. Were so impressive, so yeah. so quick all weekend. Yeah, um, um, yeah, they've also now uh, jumped ahead of McLaren in the uh, constructors. Yes, um, and are catching Renault in fourth place. Yeah, um, very much pulling a force India this year. Uh, Has 
Yeah, well, back at the beginning of the season, we were thinking how quick this was potentially going to be as a card, weren't we? And well, it looked super quick in practice, um, and everyone's sort of like, we'll believe it when we see it. And then Australia, they rocked up and were, again, probably the fourth fastest team in Australia, weren't they, until yeah. they had their pit stop disasters. Um, but yeah, they're, they're keeping it up. They're definitely going from strength to strength, that team. Yeah, and Magnussen sat best of the rest in terms of the Drivers' Championship. Um, like, you, you know, you've got your, your top six drivers that are who you'd expect them to be. Maybe not necessarily in the order you'd expect them to be, but they yeah. are who you'd expect them to be. And Magnussen overtook Alonso this weekend to put himself seventh. Yeah. Um, which, um, considering, considering Magnussen of old... I'm actually slightly surprised by where he is at the minute. Yeah, it's it's like his maturity has finally stick. come around this season, and he's found some consistency. But upon seeing an interview with him over the weekend, I think a lot of that is coming from the fact, like he pointed out himself, this is the first time he's managed to stay at a team for a second season and yeah. feel comfortable and already part of a team and settled in a team. And you know, used to the people around him and and everyone he's working with, and maybe that is you know a, quite a big factor for him, and it, it is what's helping maybe, him yeah. find his rhythm and his his confidence in in this season. To um, you know, it was it was comfortably ahead of uh, Grosjean up until this point in the season, um, which I wouldn't have expected going into the season. I'd have expected Grosjean to be leading that team. Um, yeah, Grosjean. Only scored points for the first time this season, if I remember right. With yeah, this, very first points. So, yeah, he's, he's been absolutely smashing it in terms of the teammate head to head. So, yeah, which is not to say that he still doesn't get up to his the sort of tricks that have given him the reputation he's got. I mean, like you look back to um, like Baku, the movie pulled on um, yeah, Gasly. Um, he definitely still has these moments, but um, yeah, two very interesting drivers at Haas. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, mentioning Grosjean, amazing drive for him to bring it home in fourth. Um, to get his, like, say, his first points of the season, really, really impressive stuff from him. Yeah. Um, he's still languishing down the bottom of the table as we sort of not scoring points for the rest of the races, but there we go. Um. Bottas um, has plummeted down to sixth now in the championship, um, bottom of the uh, top tier, you could say. Yeah. Um, which again, we've said so many times, like what could have been for Bottas? He could still very easily be, if not top, snapping at the heels of uh, Vettel and Hamilton. Definitely, definitely. But alas, alas. Um, having summed that up, which of the moves that we've already talked about, or maybe a different one, would you say is your move of today, Chris? Um, the the only one I think we haven't mentioned is um about halfway through the race, uh, Leclerc and Stroll sort of found themselves together, um because Leclerc again we didn't mention I think it was lap one or two ended up taking a trip through the gravel, yes, and dropped all the way to the back so he kind of was picking his way back up through the field and yeah Leclerc and Stroll had a really nice little side by side fight over the space of a couple of laps which I very much enjoyed yeah um. But yeah, I think for me, it's between Vettel on Grosjean uh, on lap two and then Vettel on Hamilton later in the race. They're the two for me. I th- for me, I think the one on Hamilton's the better of the two. Um, and the reason I'd go with that one is the way he had to be brave to put himself in the position on the f- in the first place, going around what is like, they call it turn two officially, but going around the outside of that curve in, in the... Um, in the straight, like getting yeah. a couple of wheels almost dipping out into the grass, yeah, um, and to basically put the move on his fellow four-time world champion, um, yeah, and really squeezed Hamilton all the way to the left as well, yeah. Was, but um, but all within fairness, you know, yeah, you, you're never going to hear a, a complaint, very fair move, and you're never going to hear a complaint from Lewis about that, it, as no, it, totally. as in the fairness of the move. Fair enough, we heard a little bit of you know chatter about the fact that the. He didn't feel the car was performing as it was, but I, yeah. I think you've got to take that out of the equation. And, you know, oh, yeah. Hamilton knows he was done fair and square there, to be brutally honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's that one for me. Um, but driver of the day, any nominations for it? 
There's a few actually. I mean, the the official one was Max Verstappen. I mean, surprise, surprise. The amount of times he doesn't win and win draw of the day, he was always going to get it this week. Um, I think Raikkonen is worth a mention. I mean, he it was this was one of Raikkonen's best races of the year. I think. Um, yeah. I think he was. I think even without Vettel's issues, he would probably still have finished ahead of Vettel. Um, he was. Uh, other, again, other than Q3, he was the faster of the Ferraris, but yeah. he keeps making his last mistakes in Q3 and end up behind uh, Vettel on the road. Um, again, we just mentioned him, uh, Charles Leclerc, really impressive for him to <clears throat> go from a spin on lap one, drop into the back to bring it back in the points yet again, um, finishing ahead of his teammate, uh, Sauber getting a double points finish, yeah. which is super impressive. Um, I think for me to Grosjean though, um, I'm very just I'm very surprised Alonso has not got a mention there from pit lane to eighth. Albeit yes, yes, there's quite a few retirements in amongst all that, but you know pit lane to eighth is not too bad. Yeah, again, really impressive. I I, just, I think it's Grosjean for me though. Like yeah, maybe it's because it's just nice to see him doing well after um, a season of no points. But it's not like he was scraping. Ninth or tenth, like the proper impressive best of the rest drive. Um, kept his head like he was really struggling on tires towards the end and uh, kept his teammate behind him. Yeah, I was really impressed by him. Yeah, it's nice for him to finally have a decent race and, and get that best of the rest, which, like we said, you know, we expect that has to be there. Um, it's a shame that they weren't on the lead lap, <laughs> literally, only the podium yeah. finishes were on the lead lap. But, um, <laughs> you know, they were, well, they were sort of comfortably in the, those fourth and five, fourth and fifth positions for yeah, the majority so. of the race, or, or at least, you know, that best of the rest slot for the most of the race. So I'd be happy to give it Grosjean and just hope he um, he maintains this newfound form and doesn't go back to his old ways of finding a way to DNF every race. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, and I guess the last thing for Austria. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Candidates? Um, I think it lies at Mercedes this week, doesn't it? It's it's hard to look past the strategy thing. Although it's yeah. not the ultimate downfall of the race, it is a bit of a, you know, everybody was instantly thinking, what on earth are they yeah, doing? Yeah, absolutely everybody. Um, I think it has to be. I mean... We had that really interesting... Like, I've never heard before the uh, chief strategist, um, James... I've forgotten his name. I can't remember his surname right now. You've put me... Uh, Vels, James Vels. Yes. Um, getting on the radio during the race to apologise and admit blame for the mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really unusual. Um, but, yeah, I think just that decision has to go down as it's it's the fact that literally everybody watching the race instantly went what? yep that's they've thrown this away yeah and i think and yeah and, and the, the that does it for i me. think it was one it was that blatantly obvious you know even even more casual fans would see that instantly and think well why why Mercedes not doing what everyone else is doing? Like, what do they think they yeah. know? Like, so and sometimes it's disconcerting because you think what do they know that nobody else does? Like, what you know, what is going on? And then you just realise, nope, they've just made a complete hash of it. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, definitely yeah. that. Um, a couple of little bits going into Silverstone are the fact that um, we will see DRS down the start-finish straight. Um, yeah, and which is interesting because at least in qualifying, they don't break until turn three. Yeah. So so in theory, we could get people being very brave, keeping the DRS open yeah. through the fast turn one and two, which would be and, interesting. I think, and Charlie's qualifying. openly mentioned it. Charlie Whiting's openly spoken about yeah. the fact that, yes, technically speaking, if they want to keep their foot in it with the rear wing open, they are welcome to. Because um, I, th- I think I always assumed there was a set endpoint in the DRS zones, but I guess it's not. I guess it's just the next time you either it's, break or lift off. I, I think. Yeah, as far as I know, it it there's a manual disengage, so you can manually turn it yeah. off and shut it. Um, it's also connected to the brake system, so that when you brake, it shuts it. And 
as far as I know, whether it's always been like this or not, I'm not sure. But as far as I know now, if there's a decrease in speed, um, even from like lift and coast, it then yeah. shuts off as well. So basically, any form of deceleration or um, manually shutting the DRS will be what shuts it. So yeah. we may see some brave souls heading into turns one and two <laughs> with that DRS open. It'll um, <laughs> it'll make setup interesting. Yeah, because you could very easily set a car up to be able to do that for qualifying, but then that might compromise you, could, you during the yeah, race. Yeah, you could go as well. Um, yeah, because you you you're probably not going to be able to do that f- full fuel, are you? Like they they definitely, no, definitely full not. throttle through there, through turns one and two, and then in and then your first braking point is really you know, about 100 metres before turn three. That's that's where they're first even yeah. thinking about touching the brakes. So that's qualifying. I, I, off the top of my head, without going back and watching a rerun of some onboards from last year's race, I couldn't tell you what they're like um, in a race scenario. It's at the very least a lift into turn one, maybe even a dab of brakes. Yeah, it should make things interesting because it's not really a huge overtaking point either, is it? So... But it might no. So if the generate a new one, then fair yeah, enough. Yeah, like it'd be interesting to see how it works um, or how it works out. So um, another little bit of news was that basically musical chairs has begun. So yep. to summarize it as best as possible, Ricardo's been approached by McLaren, but Leclerc is apparently getting a deal with Ferrari, which means Kimi might also be going to McLaren. So basically, McLaren just want a high-profile driver to replace a likely departed Alonso. Um, it, yeah. I think that McLaren probably needs some experience, although Van Dorn, you know, he's been there a little while now, so... Yeah, he'll be going into his third full season. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. Like, they've obviously got Lando Norris waiting in the wings for an F1 ZT. He's, uh, he's almost certainly going to be first or second in Formula 2 this year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it very much looks like McLaren don't like the sound of a Van Dorn and Norris uh, driver lineup. Maybe that's because having a big-name driver is the best thing they've got going for them at the moment. And if Alonso well, is going to leave, then they want another big name to keep people paying attention they don't to get enough sponsors as it is so no how are all. they going to manage with two not they're not unknowns that's that's a harsh term to use but you know oops outside of formula one circles they're no. not huge names are they really when you think about it like just a, picking a person on the street there's a fair chance they'll have heard of Fernando Alonso, but there's no way they'll have heard of Van Dorn Precisely. or Precisely. But even across other motorsports, like, you know, not everybody pays attention to F1 in the way that we do. Yeah. Um, I challenge you to find somebody who could tell you who Will Stevens was these days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> who remembers that one? <laughs> and that one's fairly recent. Sorry, Will. If yeah. you're out there listening somewhere <laughs> between your Blanche Japan races. <laughs> um, I do think after all of this talk, though, Ricardo's going to end up staying at Red Bull. Do you think? Um, I I think sticking with Red Bull and taking a risk on the Honda engine is a better prospect than going to McLaren, who we know are struggling and aren't showing any signs of improving at any decent yeah. rate. Um, Ferrari, obviously, there's not going to be a space for him there. I really think Mercedes are going to stick with Hamilton and Bottas now. Yeah, um, um, I I can't see M- McLaren being a realistic option for Danny Rick anyway, just because it's no. not the right time in his career for a move like that. Something like a Raikkonen move there wouldn't necessarily be so bad for someone like Raikkonen, I don't think, because. If he's got any interest in doing something outside of Formula One and transcending his career to something else, they could quite easily do what they're doing with Alonso. I think. Um, yeah. Well, I think the other day it was. I think it was the Toyota World Rally Championship boss said it's an open door if Raikkonen ever wants to come and have a go again in one of their cars. Because <laughs> um, he's already had a little bit of a stab at it, hasn't he? Once. Yeah, I can't remember who he drove for first time. Um, but, um, 
Uh, I want to say Citroen, remember. maybe. Yeah, but I don't know if he ever got into the proper, the top car. No, I mean, it was more the... their B team. The Citroen yeah, B I team, so. I think, is probably the best way of putting what he was doing. Um, it did it did win a stage or two, though, I think, from memory, in yeah, the time that so. he was there. So he, I think he either did well or crashed. There was not much middle ground there. Yeah. <laughs> the most exciting bit of all that for me is that it sounds like Ferrari are actually going to do the one thing Ferrari never do, which is stick a young driver in their car. I that That's the best outcome of all of this, regardless of what happens elsewhere, I think, to see a young driver get a chance in a Ferrari that's, you know, competitive right now would be awesome. Yeah, Especially really one that's, you know, got the hype around him like Leclerc has and he's proving his worth in Formula 1 like he is at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a deserved hype. He's yeah. been so impressive this season. Yeah. So f- I mean, I remember us being excited about the idea of um seeing uh, like Gasly and Giovinazzi in F1 a couple of years ago, but neither of them, I mean, you know, obviously car and whatever makes a difference, but neither of them have done anything like what Leclerc is doing at the moment. Yeah. I, Gasly for me, I I'd be interested to see some. It'll never happen, but I'd be interested to see like Gasly and Leclerc side by side because Gasly was not quite as dominant as Leclerc was in Formula Two or GP Two as it was no. uh, at the time of Gasly, but he was still a force to be reckoned with, um, and you could tell he was going to come into F One and, and do fairly well. So it would be interesting to see them in the same same machinery but unfortunately because of their driver programs it's never going to happen is it yeah i do think we'll see gasly in the red bull in sooner rather than later well there was a, i think it, there was talk that if ricardo was to leave red bull it was looking more like gasly would come and fill the seat rather than science returning to the red bull program yeah. to fill it and meaning science is quite possibly going to stay with renault um, yeah, signs. I think signs is only like this weird loan deal is only a one year thing. So yeah. if they don't call him back at the end of this season, he's almost certainly going to sign full time with Renault, which I think is very likely. So yeah, yeah Gasly is the obvious next candidate for a Red Bull drive. Should one of them move on, be interesting to see what comes of that. Um, yeah, rather than predicting drivers' futures, I suppose we should <laughs> end this week by well reviewing predictions from Austria and then doing a couple for Britain. Um, yes. Do you want to run through what happened? Yeah, I'll take us through. Um, it was a fairly low-scoring week, actually. Um, I guess unsurprising, given that we had two Mercedes retire, which often takes a lot of people's uh, predictions. Um, in terms of us lot, uh, I once again scored zero. I had Hamilton for the pole and win, uh, which he achieved neither of. Uh, I didn't take your guys' advice, well, Stu's advice, and go for Bottas. <laughs> um which got Stu a point, and then you, your some out of nowhere, you decided Verstappen was going to win this race, and you doubled down on him being I, a random driver. I had legit reasoning though. I, I explained you did, myself you did. at the time. <clears throat> I I hold my hands off. You absolutely nailed that. So you scored uh, three points, um, which was actually the uh, high score. Of the, <laughs> the week. first um, time one of us has won all season. This is the first time one of us has won a week, which <laughs> How is bad shocking. Is that? <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, and then we had two people scoring uh, two points. Uh, Mark Alvarez and uh, Stewie Roper on his debut uh, came equal second with two points. So well done to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, at the top of the leaderboard, uh, Henrik Lindoff remains at the top uh, on 15 points despite actually not scoring anything this week. Uh, but Dominic Poole uh, has closed the gap now. It's only half a point between first Ooh. and second. Uh, and Thomas de Morgan is another point and a half behind him. So all incredibly close at the top. Yeah. Um, in fact, even closer than the gap between Hamilton and Vettel, because that's one point. We've only got half a point between our leaders. Excitement. Yes, all very exciting. Did, uh, so thanks, as always, everyone for taking did part. Did Stu have a prize this week? I don't know if we had a prize this week. I can't remember what he said last week. <laughs> Because if there is, you win it. <laughs> yes. I don't think we ever settled on one, did we? Um, there might be a mug knocking around. <laughs> we'll have to find out and check. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should check that. Um, 
Um, shall we then move on to uh, predictions for the British Grand Prix this coming weekend? Yeah, but don't copy me. Uh, well, I'll go first then. Okay. Um, fastest in Q3, last season for context. Uh, qualifying was Hamilton, followed by Raikkonen and Vettel, with Bottas in fourth. Uh, the race um, finished Hamilton, Bottas and Raikkonen on the podium. Um, you may remember both Ferraris had uh, punctures towards the end yes, of the race. they did indeed. Um, although even before the punctures, the Mercedes were still already one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep predicting Hamilton and he keeps not doing it. Whatever I predict, Hamilton does the opposite. But Silverstone, you can't go for anyone else, can you? I don't know. Can you? I can't. I'm going Hamilton. Oh. What about you? Um, well, since so you're going Hamilton, I will go somebody completely different. No, I think that Britain is a place Lewis tends to perform at his best because of that home race feel about yeah. it. I think that they've got a lot to prove after coming back from a double DNF and the issues this weekend. So I do think that it's going to be a Hamilton Q3. So after all that, you're copying me. Yeah. Hamilton it is. Uh, but is he going to win it? Um, for me, I think so. The car's strong there. He's strong there. And yeah. I think that everything will be analysed to the minutest detail this weekend to avoid oh, absolutely. another repeat of this weekend. So yes, Hamilton yep. again for me on the win. I... Absolutely have to agree with you, boringly. <laughs> um, first DNF last year, it was uh, Jolyon Palmer. Oh, no, Jolyon Palmer did not start. The first retirement in the race was Carlos Sainz. Oh, yeah, Palmer uh, never made it to the grid last start. year, did he? No. Oh, dear. <clears throat> um, first DNF is proving really tricky this season, isn't it? Um, yeah, and I've... <laughs> Why don't you go with... Um whoever I said last week because I seem to predict <laughs> one and then it happens the week after. Yeah, you're, you're a little bit too I'm far I'm a little ahead. bit too premature with my predictions on first DNF, so... I'm going to go for signs this week. Signs this Thinking week. Thinking another, another Renault that, engine is issue. Is that who I said last week? I actually can't remember. It might have been. No, it was Van Dorn. It was Van Dorn. Ah, okay. Um, so... Hmm... I'm going. So who are you going to go, go for? By which I mean, who's it going to be in Germany? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with. Um, I like my like crashing down from high place <laughs> kind of predictions. So I'm going to go with Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> <laughs> Just he's up there. He's like, yes, I'm winning the second championship as he put it himself, and he's going to crash in turn one. <laughs> um, number of finishers last year we had 17 two retirements and one did not start Um, I think for me on this one it, it's not notoriously a track that really punishes cars is it so no you tend to get a lot of finishers mm, I'm going to be optimistic this week and say 18 Ooh, that's very optimistic. It is considering I've got Magnuson crushing into someone in turn one. <laughs> that's... I'm going to be less optimistic. Yeah, and then, then and that's that it. No it. one else fails. <laughs> I'm going to be less optimistic and say 16. Ooh, big difference. Um, And now we need a random driver. You do. And that random driver is going to be... Uh, Sorokin. Oh, that... Ugh, ugh. Now, the Williams are an interesting one because they tend to finish just not very high up. So your number of finishes kind of dictates where you're going with a... Yeah, it's a horrible one. Um, it is a nasty one. You've got to go first this time, I think, haven't you? I do, you I go think. first and I'll copy um, you. I'm saying 16 finishes. <laughs> where did he finish in Austria? He was... <clears throat> okay. Okay, the Williams are the last two on the road. Yep, 13th and 14th. He, he, he did finish ahead of Stroll, which doesn't happen very often. I'm going to say 16th. I'm going to say last finisher. Last finisher. 
I'm going to go see if I've got so many finishers. Um, 17th. 17th. Yeah, so not quite last. Ahead of Stroll. Not necessarily. <laughs> there could be somebody that has a really torrid end to the race or something. I think the Williams is going to really struggle at this race. You mean like it does everywhere else <laughs> this season? Well, this track in particular, it's such an aero-heavy yeah. track. But anyway, um, if you want to join in, uh, you can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. Uh, there is, as always, a prize every week for anyone who can get five out of five um, and a prize at the end of the season for our champion. Um, yeah, so please get involved. Uh, yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us generally just to say hello or pass on your thoughts and comments, then you can do so by finding us on Twitter um, at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook, so if you just search for Back of the Grid, you'll find us on there. And um, we're also on Instagram at Back of the Grid. You can also head to backofthegrid.com, as Chris has already mentioned, and there's also a little contact us thing on there, so you can fill that in and let us know your thoughts that way. Um, if you want to find any of us individually, I am Tom King eighty nine on Twitter. Chris is TNM Chris, and Stu is Stu underscore PX. I was nice and read it, even though he's not here. <laughs> um, and very generous of you. It is indeed. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on that note, that is it for this weekend. So we hope you all enjoy the British Grand Prix and join us next week for our dissection of said Grand Prix. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of Brit Pod Scene an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.